welcome back to Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Madison Ford. I hope you're all doing well. To be honest, I have been a little down myself, um, but editing this episode really cheered me up, so I'm excited to share it with you. Today's interview is with Stacy. We get deep into talking about the Potter series and the profound impact the story and characters had on her life growing up. If you're someone who's avoiding information about the plot of Cursed Child, we do talk about this during the episode, so feel free to skip over if you're not interested or if you're avoiding spoilers. All right, y'all, let's dive in. Welcome back to Beyond the Veil, everyone. Today on the podcast, we have Stacy. Stacy, thank you for being with us. Thank you. I'm excited. Oh, we're excited to have you. Can you tell everyone listening a little bit about yourself? My name's Stacey and I live in Scotland in the United Kingdom and I'm a massive, massive, massive Harry Potter fan since forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, what sort of Harry Potter information about yourself do you want to share? Um, I'm in Slytherin House, which gets a lot of surprised looks because apparently you wouldn't think it but I'm quite proud to be in Slytherin as well um my Patronus really surprised me it's a pheasant which was unexpected and I've not met anyone else that has a pheasant as a Patronus yet most of them tend to get animals that I wish I had as a Patronus (laughs) (laughs) um my favorite book is probably Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince but my favorite movie is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban which Mm. surprises people sometimes because you'd think your favorite book might be your favorite film yeah what is it about um what is it about those two that really connects you to them Half-Blood Prince I think because it's mostly you get so much backstory in regards to Voldemort and it focuses a lot on Draco, who's one of my favourite characters. Harry and Ginny finally get together, which I waited on for years (laughs) and years. (laughs) And Ron and Hermione, you start, you saw they were always going to be together, in my opinion. I know a lot of people thought Hermione would be with Harry, but I always imagined her with Ron and I like how finally in Half-Blood Prince, Hermione, she starts to get jealous over Ron and Lavender. So mm-hmm. she starts, it, it's coming closer together probably in Half-Blood Prince because Ron finally has someone. I love that. I, I think it's interesting that uh, you, it seems like you kind of supported both uh both of the main couples like Harry, Ginny and Ron, Hermione, which I don't always see when I'm talking to people about the series. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the, for Harry and Ginny, it's definitely the waiting aspect on Ginny's Mm -hmm. part. And for Ron and Hermione, I think Hermione, I wouldn't mind if she went with Harry, but I like how she chooses Ron and Ron's much more, he seems more real than Harry because Harry's like the hero mm-hmm. and the he's the boy who lived, so he's the ideal person. But 
Hermione just set not settles for Ron, but she loves Ron and Ron's just normal <laughs> as far as Ron can be. <laughs> and it's nice. Can you tell me about the very first time that you came across the Harry Potter series? I think the very first time is probably when it, Prisoner of Azkaban came out in cinema. I'd apparently seen the first two films in cinema and been read the first two books, but I'm only 24, so I can't remember oh. ever seeing the first two films. But the first I can remember is probably seeing Prisoner of Azkaban in cinema, and it was amazing. <laughs> uh, how soon after watching Prisoner of Azkaban did you start reading the books? I think I'd already started reading the books before Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, myself, at least. I know my nan used to read them to me. But I probably started reading them myself just before the film came out as far as I can remember. Um, I was obsessed with Chamber of Secrets for years and it was the mm -hmm. only one I read for a long time. <laughs> and I didn't want to keep... It's strange because I didn't want to read more, but at the same time I wanted to read more. Yeah. Because oh. it's such a vast world, but then you get... As the story goes on, you get bombarded with all this information and everything was going... The world was turning upside down because suddenly Harry had a godfather and the godfather was trying to kill him. And <laughs> my favourite Hogwarts teacher was suddenly a werewolf who could potentially kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's It's strange. There's almost like this little... I don't know. In Chamber of Secrets, Harry is insulated from everything that we know he's going to experience. So it's kind of nice to be there with him before he realizes how much bigger the world is. Yeah. Um, it's funny, though, because one of the things I notice about Prisoner of Azkaban is in interviews and everything and in other podcasts, a lot of people talk about how as far as Goblet of Fire goes, that's the turning point for the mm -hmm. series, for, the, for it to become darker. But as far as Prisoner of Azkaban goes, that's when it starts becoming a little bit darker because you have the Dementors. And yeah. you have, for the first time, you don't have Voldemort, but you have someone connected to him who you believe to be evil. Mm -hmm. And that gets turned on its head as well because of what happens in the books with Peter Pettigrew. But right. It's strange how that seems to be the scariest, the turning point when the films start becoming darker. I don't know if I'm just strange, but Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets seems pretty dark as well. There's a massive snake and giant spiders, so <laughs> yes. that was terrifying for me. And voices, and when he hears the basilisk speaking, that was terrifying. Absolutely. That one gave me nightmares as a kid, for yeah. sure. In your submission, um, you said that Harry Potter is the most stable thing in your life. And um, talking to you about it just for these few minutes, I can tell, like, I can tell how much emotional connection you have with the series. Um, and, and so I'm curious about what does it mean to you that Harry Potter is the most stable thing in your life? I think just a major aspect of it is because it's always been there. Mm -hmm. So 
because I can't remember a time when I didn't read the books or I haven't watched the films. I can't remember a before Harry Potter. Mm. Whereas some fans, especially nowadays, because it is such a wide, it is such a large fandom, then there's so many people that are only just beginning to watch the films and read the books. And there's so many people that have maybe just read the books or so many people that have just watched the films. And they can all pinpoint certain times in their life when maybe there was a before Harry Potter, normally because they're older than me. (laughs) And then I think it's because I've never met anyone really around my age who likes Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's always been, it's always been there. So it's always been a sort of rock, in a sense, like a, like the foundation. It's really just been a foundation in life. Like you said, there's not a lot of you haven't met a lot of people right around your age who were you know really into Harry Potter like you. Was that difficult when you were growing up and going to school to not have someone who you could relate to with Harry Potter? Definitely, actually. I used to get teased a lot because it was the only thing in school that I read. It was the only book that I would read and the teachers tried to get me to read other stories and I just wasn't interested. Um, And I remember one day, surprisingly, a music class when it was coming up to summer when we used to be allowed to watch films the mm-hmm. teacher put on Chamber of Secrets and I really annoyingly sat at the back of the class saying the lines before the characters just to <laughs> prove that I knew them and everyone got really annoyed. We ended up not watching the film at all, which oh, no. didn't bother anyone because they didn't want to watch it in the first place, but I just wanted to prove that I knew the lines, so I just annoyed everyone with it. <laughs> I mean feel like any you know most Potter fans who have seen the movies can do that so yeah. I feel like it's a testament to your skill even if you know you're being a kid and sometimes kids don't know when to stop <laughs> yeah I definitely did it back then <laughs> <laughs> with Harry Potter being this kind of like foundation for you um I'm curious to know how it being the basis like how did that help you grow uh, into the person that you are right now? I think because I'd probably say it was because of the characters, mostly. Mm-hmm. The storyline, definitely, it's something I've always resonated with, especially Harry's storyline. Um, the way family is important, but it's different aspects of your family, like all this time throughout all of the books, Harry keeps being told he's so much like his father in regards to how he looks and such, but in times when he needs a parent, it's always his mother. Um, And it's something I can relate to, but in reverse, where Mm -hmm. I used to always be told I looked quite like how my mum used to look, but it's always my dad that I turn to. So that was quite interesting. And just the characters and the lessons that they teach through being themselves. I think one of the characters I love most that I don't really talk about as much is probably Luna. And it's because Mm -hmm. she can be herself 
and she doesn't care what anyone else thinks about it. She doesn't she doesn't care about what anyone comments or says about her. Um as far as we know at least, she just doesn't seem to mind and just continues being herself and I absolutely adore that about her because I could never be as courageous to do that than she is, but it's something I'd inspire to be like. I'm so happy that you had Luna. I feel like Luna is such an important role model for teaching us to be exactly who we are. And um, I, I guess I'm curious to know what, if you want to talk about it, was there anything that made you feel specifically like you couldn't be yourself? I think it's just, it's other people in growing up mostly. When you're in school, I think it was mostly because I liked Harry Potter and I liked it to a certain extent and no one else really did. You kind of get in this mode of you don't show your interests. You don't show what you're interested in. You don't talk about it as much as you'd like to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of puts a downer on a lot of things. And then applies to other things, just things that you're interested in. You don't want to share it with people because you're worried about how they'd react and how they'd treat you. So I know for a long time there was an issue with fan fiction writing and Mm -hmm. a lot of people would obviously have views on that and comments about that. So it was something I did for quite a while in secret and absolutely no one knew I did it. That's a big secret to keep. Yeah. Something else you said that I thought was interesting, um, the experience of Harry, um, you know, how he looks like his dad, but he kind of turns to his mother um, when he's in need of like a parental comfort. Yeah. And your experience being kind of the reverse of that. But I'm yeah. I'm curious what... Uh, what that was, what that feels like for you. I feel like that's a very uniquely um, hairy kind of experience, and I wonder what that's like. I think um, mostly it's just the idea of so much. In Harry's case, it's so much expectation is put on him, especially because because of his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always been told he looks like his dad. Um, his mother was obviously immensely brave, a great witch and muggle-born, as he says, and as it said in the books and as he says in Half-Blood Prince when he's speaking to Slughorn. Um, and his parents are such great figures before his time. So when he's born and he loses them, he's not only got, I think he's not only got the idea of he's the boy who lived as a title for him but he's got the expectations of he'll turn out like James or he'll turn out like Lily um the idea that Snape immediately assumes he's going to be arrogant like James when he's not I I know that's Snape's own trife with James but (laughs) mostly (laughs) that idea so it's the I think it's the expectations side of it that I'm probably I probably relate to more people Mm. expect you to be like your parents one way or another. So you tend to almost, I think, 
decide you can decide to be like them because you're mm-hmm. being told so much that you're like them or you can decide to try and not be like them so it's that idea of how does being told things in regards to your parents decide who you are yeah as your own person really so probably that aspect of it well thank you for sharing that that's a i feel like having that kind of expectation would be we know it is in harry's case but uh in your life as well it sounds like that would be a lot of pressure yeah (laughs) so in being there for you uh, as you were growing up i'm curious now how has the harry potter series been there to support your mental and emotional health greatly just Mm -hmm. that's the only word i can describe it as is that because it's always been there it's my go-to place when i'm not feeling happy or i'm not feeling If I'm feeling sad or nervous, it's somewhere I immediately go, whether it's in my head, reading the books or watching the films or anything to do with it, really. So watching watching videos on YouTube, reading fan fiction, it's the world is such a great place to escape to. What do you think it is? I love this, the idea that you just take up residence somewhere else completely. Um, I'm curious what it is about the, the, the Potter wizarding world that makes you feel more comfortable. I think it's the fantasy element to an extent, but it's the idea that one of the greatest ideas that occurs in a lot of films and books is children are so, no one expects children to be smart or as clever as they are, as brave Mm -hmm. as they are. Um, People's expectations of children generally tend to be low at times. Not everyone's expectations, just from experience, general expectations tend to be low. No one expects children to rise up to an occasion or stand up for themselves, or not need someone to stand up for them. So I think that idea, and the idea that probably just the fact that it is a fantasy world, but one of the things I always try to tell someone who says, I don't like Harry Potter, it's a fantasy story, or it's not real enough, it's, I think it's a very real, real story. I think it's a real story in the aspect of, okay, dragons don't exist. Magic, unfortunately, doesn't exist. But I'm still waiting on my Hogwarts letter, yes. even though I'm 24. <laughs> <laughs> I will get that one day. Maybe not to go as a student, but I'm hopefully someone will send me a letter asking if I'd like to teach there, which I accept if they're listening. <laughs> um, but... I remember someone told me once that they didn't like Harry Potter and the reason they didn't like it was because it wasn't real enough. And that really annoyed and upset me because Harry Potter is real in the sense that it might might not have magic, might not exist and such, but it's still a story about friendship 
love, which is a big theme in the stories um, through the books and the films. It's about facing evil, making difficult choices, um, having the courage to stand up for what you believe in and stand up for what's right. It's got so many real aspects of reality incorporated into it that I can't imagine how anyone wouldn't like it. Yeah, I think you've made a really important point about these parts of the series that are maybe in some ways more important to the story. You know, these themes of love and friendship and courage, these things are real. Um, And it's a kind of a surface level reading of the book to just look at the magic by itself and think that's, you know, the most important thing. Yeah. You were talking about how uh, in the books, you know, and I guess maybe it applies to real life too, but you get to see these children doing these incredible things. Um, And you mentioned that like children aren't always expected to be able to do these things and I'm curious if that if that ever felt uh, like if that affected you as you were growing up, the idea that children weren't capable of doing certain things. Definitely. Um, not so much as a child, more as a teenager, especially when Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix came out. I remember very, very vividly there was a scene in the film and it's at the when they go to get the prophecy and to save Sirius, Lucius Malfoy turns round to Harry and obviously the rest of the Dumbledore's army who did attend there and asks if they thought children could really stand a chance against them as the Death Eaters and adults. And I, I remember being really quite, not annoyed, but I was kind of taken aback where... It was the opinion they didn't expect them to be able to. I know the adults come and Lupin and Sirius and Tonks and the Order show up, but Harry and Hermione, Ron, Ginny, Neville, Luna, they all held their own quite well before that until they were technically ambushed. <laughs> right. They They managed to do it, and there's so much, especially in regards to expectation, on any of them, Harry in particular, he's not ex- he's expected to do all these great things, but then there's always the doubt that he won't be able to do it or that maybe he should stay out of the way and let someone else deal with deal with it. And I think that's that idea of children are expected to let the adults deal with the difficult situations the children don't have to be involved and they can sit quietly in a corner or go out and play when there's these real-life situations. And I think people underestimate children are able to understand and comprehend much better than what adults expect them to. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I noticed in reading the story, especially come Goblet of Fire, Order of the Phoenix, um... Umbridge comes along and Hermione immediately recognises that she's there on behalf of the Ministry of Magic to Mm. infiltrate Hogwarts, really. Um, So that idea that 
no one expects children to catch on to things quite as fast as other adults, but normally it tends to be that they're faster. Yeah, I I wonder if you feel like like seeing Hermione and Harry and everybody be so capable, especially in those later books, do you think that that empowered you to do anything that maybe you wouldn't have in your teenage years? It definitely, it probably inspired a lot more confidence. I wouldn't say I'm a massively overconfident person. I'm not at all, um, <laughs> like at all, but it definitely inspired me to at least sometimes voice my own opinion. Um, say if I don't like the way something appears, um, that idea where you don't have to just sit down all the time and stay silent and let things happen. If you don't like something or something makes you unhappy or uncomfortable, you voice your opinion and you say, I don't like this. Mm. And if you can change it, then you're more than able to at least attempt to change it. Um, rather than just going along with the floor, really. It's so important to know that. And I think it's a lesson that a lot of people don't learn until much later uh, in life sometimes. Yeah. Um, we've gone over this a little bit in some of the other questions, but I'm curious if you have any thoughts about the different ways that the Potter series has influenced you throughout your life? I suppose the idea as well is just to be that little more accepting of other people. Because mm-hmm. it's one of the things that you learn in Harry Potter is that the judgments you immediately make of other people don't always turn out to be true. Um, especially like in regards to Harry and the other characters he meets and interacts with. Um, you think that say Quirrell as a character, he can be trustworthy. You believe Snape to be untrustworthy. I won't go too much into Snape because I know a lot of people have mixed views. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) there are so many characters in Harry Potter that they express themselves to be some type of person and they turn out to be something entirely different. So I think that there is something that influenced my own life as well, where you can't make quick judgment about people. You do make quick judgment about people. Everyone does it. But you can't allow that to stick if there's other things that kind of show themselves. So if you believe someone not to be kind, maybe it's worth looking into why they aren't kind. Or what makes them that way? If someone doesn't seem to be... I'm trying to think. Mostly if someone doesn't seem to be a certain way where you think that person can be trustworthy. Maybe not don't trust them. But if there's any inclination where someone appears to be trustworthy but something kind of gets your attention and that maybe you shouldn't trust them then 
to pay a bit more attention to that, just to be more generally aware of people, mm-hmm. really. I'd say just to be generally more aware of people. Um, it's not a case of... This is, in fact, it is a case of don't judge a book by its cover. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, like, I think Gilderoy Lockhart and Quirrell, I didn't really... I didn't trust him as a character, but I didn't distrust him. I'd say Gilderoy Lockhart, Sirius Black, and Dolores Umbridge, especially Dolores Umbridge, because she first appears and she's all pink and cats, and I love (laughs) cats. And I did go, I did love the colour pink. So when I first met her as a character, I was like, oh, she's nice. Oh, no. (laughs) That's wrong. Yeah, that didn't last long. But um, yeah, just to be generally more aware, I think that's a lesson it teaches as well. Um, not to judge people, but not to not to judge people and not to stick, but not to stick with the opinion you had of them as well. Um, like we know Harry's opinion of Snape changes mostly towards the end of the book and Cursed Child, which I will admit I do count as canon. I know a lot of people don't, but your monk I friend love it right too here. much. <laughs> I have not met anyone who considers Cursed Child canon before. One of the things that kind of bugs me is that I live in Scotland and so far the only people I've ever spoke to about Harry Potter live in America. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> not that it's a bad thing. But there's a massive time difference in some cases. Um, I don't get to talk to them as much as I'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, this year I'm going on the Hogwarts train. Um, oh I'm going on that in June. But in regards to the play, it came out in London. I know it's not that far from Scotland, but in regards to getting the time to go and see it, it makes it difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also out in New York and Australia, and I think it's recently been released somewhere else as well. But it's not been to Scotland. <laughs> it's not been to <laughs> Glasgow or Edinburgh, and this is where Hogwarts is located. And yeah. I, I just want it to come a little bit closer just so I can get to see it. Because I really wanted to see it when it first came out. And so far, all the posts that I've seen, it's all been when Sam Clement was Albus and Anthony Boyle was Scorpius. And I must say, I wish I'd seen it when they were Albus and Scorpius. But I will take it any with any Albus and Scorpius. <laughs> well, hopefully in the future maybe you'll get a chance to see it in london or new york well i am curious i i know it wasn't our list i didn't know that you enjoyed cursed child so i would love to know um i mean i feel like this can be a really big answer but uh for me, I had a really strong emotional connection to the story and characters in Cursed Child. And I'm curious if, for you, is that part of the reason why you enjoy the play? Oh, definitely. Um, I think 
a lot of people I enjoy the play for a lot of reasons which other people dislike the play which is probably why I don't meet many people that I can speak to about it so I'm so glad that I can speak to you about it here (laughs) um I think I enjoy the play because and I do consider it canon because I like the idea that the story does go on um I'm still not quite over some parts of the storyline. Am I allowed to mention them here just in case? No, oh, I can't yeah. imagine someone's not read it yet. Um, I'll put in really a, don't want to. No, I'll, I'll put in a spoiler warning just so people can avoid if they want to. No problem. Um, I not got over the fact that Voldemort and Bellatrix had a child. I'm not too sure how that... <laughs> when that happened, how that happened and what the story was behind it. Um, But I'm accepting of it. I'm (laughs) very accepting of Albus Potter being a Slytherin. I am 100% behind Scorbus as a ship. Mm -hmm. That is my OTP and I will live by it and I will die by it as well. That is (laughs) the ship. Um... (laughs) I absolutely love Scorpius Malfoy. He is the sweetest character I've ever met in my life. And I actually like the scene or the part in the script book where, and people are going to hate me for this a lot, (laughs) Harry (laughs) turns around to Albus and says, I wish you weren't my son because Mm -hmm. I understand where he's coming from in that moment. I see why people would think it's out of character for Harry, someone who didn't have his parents and didn't have his father there, to turn around and say something like that. You would be shocked, very, very shocked. But Mm -hmm. from his perspective, I see it as he's thrown in the deep end as a parent. I think, to be honest, apart from facing Voldemort, um, that's one of his biggest challenges as a character he is in being like in the middle of of the ocean and he has nothing to go on apart from what he's seen from other people so mrs weasley mr weasley people who aren't his own parents he has to take guidance from them on how to parent three children Mm -hmm. james who is described to be quite like James Potter, um, (laughs) Harry's father, Um, Albus, who obviously is going through his own troubles, and a daughter as well. I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges Harry's character has, is being a parent, and I can understand why him and Albus clash, and I think that makes up for an amazing storyline in Cursed Child. I love your thoughts on Harry because sometimes I think I felt like um, the ending of Deathly Hallows, it was almost tied up a little too prettily, you know, all was well. And this, this to me made more sense about how you, you know, you do carry your scars with you. And if you're not careful, you can pass them down to the people who you, you know, raised to be in the world. So what do you feel like you relate to most in Cursed Child? Like, what do you feel a special connection to and why? Obviously, the Albus-Scorpius relationship, friendship, however you want to put it, 
that is a massive part of the story um and it's something that I really felt a connection to as well um I've always been the kind of person who tends to stick with the one person Mm -hmm. um I don't like the big crowds and having loads of friends so I quite liked the part in the play when they go on to the Hogwarts Express and Rose is saying oh you're a potter I'm a Granger Weasley and we can pick who we're going to be friends with we can pick anyone and everyone they all want to be our friends we just have to choose and Albus kind of freaks out like we're meant to pick who we're going to be friends with right now and it's funny because he does that. <laughs> <laughs> he immediately does that. And just the idea that... I think just the friendship between Albus and Scorpius is mm-hmm. a big part on it. And that Harry is not the perfect parent and no parent is perfect. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I really liked about it. And I liked how it gave a lot more significance to other parts of the series. I'd say it gave a lot more significance to Goblet of Fire, although it was a very significant film in its own right. Mm-hmm. I think that it was one of the things that I remember is when they go back in time, and I, I'm rereading it, so I might not get it exactly right, <laughs> <laughs> When they go back in time and they try to humiliate Cedric, Cedric, sorry, um, they try to humiliate Cedric so that he loses the task with the dragons um, so that he doesn't die at the end mm-hmm. of the Wizard tournament, which is an amazing plan until they go forward back to their own time and they end up in a... Scorpius is alone and suddenly it's Voldemort day (laughs) (laughs) and that idea of you might want to change the past but it's best the past is left as it is and just learn from it although Mm -hmm. I can understand why you would want to save Cedric Diggory Um, but the fact that it then ends up that Harry was killed because Cedric killed Neville who didn't get the chance to kill Nagini, Ron and Hermione never got together because, all because Hermione didn't go to the Yule Ball with Victor Crumb. And I like how that all incorporates. Just because mm-hmm. one thing is taken out or changed in the past, it just ruins everything. <laughs> yeah. It just ruins it all. So I quite like that. And then trying to fix that and realising okay, the past is what's happened. Um, It can't be changed and we have to accept it, but we can still grow from it. It can still make us stronger, Um, especially at the end of Cursed Child when they go back to Godric's Hollow and they have the chance to kill Voldemort or warn James and Lily and they have to let it happen technically all over again from time perspective um and i think it was draco who had turned around and said you have the opportunity to change it but you're not going to um so that idea where we can't change the past 
but and unfortunately we have to live with it but it's does it make it a bad thing Mm -hmm. so that idea yeah probably that did that feel like an important lesson for you to incorporate for your own life definitely um yeah definitely probably the more of the idea that it can't be changed but learn from it um Mm -hmm. i have to make reference to the lion king right now Uh (laughs) Um, where rafiki hits simba over the head with his stick and tells simba it might still hurt but it's in the past so it's it's in the past really so you just get on with life i think something that i have been thinking about as we've been talking kind of looking at the um not just cursed child but everything where these lessons like you were talking earlier about you know learning to be uh like you know to accept people and try to be a little more trustworthy sometimes and you know learning in cursed child about uh how the past impacts us and it's you know we need to accept that And it's interesting how these lessons really come through because we spend so much intense time with these characters. You like, you, you see someone like Snape through Harry's eyes for hundreds of thousands of words and that, you know, spending that much time thinking about these different characters is really a important part of how these lessons stick to us so well, I think. Yeah. Harry Potter is an enormous part of your life. And I wonder if you have any thoughts about where you think you might be if you didn't have the Potter series in your life. I honestly couldn't imagine not having it in my life. Um, It is a question that pops up. Um, and other people's save videos on YouTube. I watch mm-hmm. a lot of those of people who like Harry Potter and they talk about it a lot and they discuss and there may be present videos of um, a clip of imagine if Harry Potter didn't exist and they're in a room sitting doing nothing. I feel like I could relate to that. <laughs> if mm-hmm. I didn't have Harry Potter, I would still have those other fandoms and such, but none of them have ever made a greater impact or been something that I've stuck with for as long. Um, I always look at it as a kind of timeline where Harry Potter is constant and then at certain points the other fandoms have kind of joined, but they've never been as strong as the mm-hmm. Harry Potter fandom um, in regards to one that I've turn to or one that I'd be a part of always <laughs> to use yeah. a snake plane um, <laughs> most definitely I couldn't imagine what life would be like without Harry Potter um, yeah. yeah I can't imagine it I'm with you I think it was uh, a very important part of my life for a long time and I'm curious to know how you uh, how you participate in the Harry Potter fandom. Um, mostly through 
like I said, I don't really have, I have no friends who like Harry Potter. Um, there are people in my family who like it not as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Some of those members of my family, I'm very grateful for having to listen to me ramble on about <laughs> it all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very much a geek and I made a PowerPoint to show the process and storyline of Cursed Child to my <laughs> nan in an attempt to convince her to let us go at one point, which I think has worked eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so apart from really watching videos online, there's no one that I really talk to about it apart from family members who put up with me. Um so if anyone out there wants to talk about it, then they can feel free to find me somehow and I will discuss <laughs> with them for hours and hours. Um, writing fan fiction as well. Um, I also have a blog where I'm going to start putting up Harry Potter posts and Harry Potter related posts as well as other things which aren't as important. <laughs> um, <laughs> so probably, yeah... Mostly through watching other people and watching the films. Um, it used to be a much bigger thing when, obviously, when the books were coming out and you could go to book openings and meet other people and speak with them. But it was a conversation that, say, lasted the night and then that was about it. Um, there is also a shop in the city near where I live called The Boy Wizard, although I'm pretty sure they've changed their name. Um, And I remember the first time going in there, I was standing looking at wands because it's just a Harry Potter-based shop. And I remember a girl came up to one of the people working behind the counter and the tills and asked where she could find a feathered quill. And I felt like I was in Diagon Alley. It seemed like the most... Nor- it was the only time when it would be normal to ask where a feather quill would be in a shop. It was brilliant. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it was brilliant. But, yeah. So, again, if anyone wants to talk to me about Harry Potter, find me. Send an owl. <laughs> <laughs> Social media, find me there. I, I'm curious... Cause it- if a lot of your participation has been online, um, have you been able to find any support or community with other fans or fan communities? It's it's a strange question, that one, because personally I haven't, but I know there is a great amount of support across the board on the Harry Potter fandom. Um, it's like all fandoms, it's a family mm-hmm. um, so we're going to have disagreements, we're going to have opinions but yeah just just that really mm-hmm. well I hope that um, there are a lot of communities out there online and I hope that you um, maybe find a little place where you feel uh, comfortable you know that's one of the most valuable things I got when I joined MuggleNet was, um, you know, some of it was work for the site, but other parts of it were 
you know, connecting with other people, talking about the series, you know, asking what everyone's favorite books were, why. Um, and, you know, that uh, those conversations exist. And I, I do hope that you can find them because I think uh, I think all Potter fans should have a little, you know, a little place on the Internet that you can call home. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Am I allowed to ask you questions? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> I'm quite interested in what your favorite favorite book and film are. Yeah. Um, so my favorite book is Goblet of Fire. Um, I think part of it has to do with when I read it. Um, I was uh, oh probably about nine or ten years old. Um, we went on vacation to my grandma's house. I've been waiting to get the book, waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally I had it. Um, and it took me, I read it over a period of about three days and it was just, it was the slowest that I'd ever read a new Harry Potter book. So I really got to absorb the information. And I think it was the gravity of seeing what was happening and you know, knowing, like, seeing the impact of stuff that happened in Prisoner of Azkaban and seeing it affect, um, seeing it affect Harry's world in such a different way than we had before, where, you know, like, we'd seen Fudge come in to Chamber of Secrets to take Hagrid to Azkaban, but then seeing, you know, I think it opened my eyes to the fact that, um, even children are affected by grown-up issues. Um, yeah. And so that was a significant lesson for me, I think. Um, my favorite movie was Deathly Hallows Part 1. Um, I <laughs> when That came out um, in the first half of my, like, my senior year of high school. And I had just made a really, really great uh, in-person friend who really loved Harry Potter. And we would, you know, we would drive around together and listen to the music and we would watch the movies, play the games. And so it just, it felt, I don't know, us running around, because we were out, you know, in Texas where it only takes a few minutes to get to like the backwoods. Um so it felt like we were always running around like Horcrux hunting in Deathly <laughs> Hallows. Um, so it felt super. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it was. We we left behind a Horcrux scavenger hunt for the people <laughs> uh, younger than us at school, and it was a very very lovely part of my life. That does. That sounds awesome. I wonder if anyone found the Horcruxes. <laughs> <laughs> they did we we left yeah. them a um a big map with uh quotes from the potter books and clues we it, it was very elaborate um i'll maybe i'll post a picture sometime of the uh the scrapbook we left but it was uh <laughs> you know it, it's hard to uh it's hard to do anything halfway i guess when it yeah. comes to harry potter <laughs> oh that i can agree with <laughs> Definitely. So I guess as we come to the end of our time, 
I just want to know if you have any other words of wisdom or advice or anything else you want to share with everyone listening. Um, I probably my words of wisdom. I think my my life, and I'm sure everyone else in the Harry Potter fandom can kind of resonate resonate with Dumbledore's words in the Deathly Hallows where Harry turns around and asks, um, is this all real or is it happening inside my head? And Dumbledore says, of course it's happening inside your head, Harry, but why on earth should that mean it's not real? Mm-hmm. That there, that quote just sums up the entirety of the Harry Potter fandom for me. Um, the entirety of the series, whether it's the movies, the books, or Cursed Child, Fantastic Beasts, everything to do with the wizarding world. It's real because we believe it is. Absolutely. I love that. That uh, It takes away some of the, uh, you know, some of the, the people who don't understand why someone could be so obsessed with books about a wizarding world. It's, it really does feel just as real as, yeah. you know, what I, I, you know, the floor that I see in my apartment or the buildings out the window is absolutely just as real, the Harry Potter world. Yeah, definitely. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for sharing all of your wonderful stories and for diving in so deep, uh, talking about Harry Potter with me. Thank you for inviting me to <laughs> I've been really looking forward to this and I'm so glad. I'm just sad that it's coming to an end now. <laughs> thank you all for listening to our interview with Stacy. Stacy, thank you so much for sharing your story with all of us. I hope that you're all staying safe, healthy, and as happy as you can. I hope you're all staying safe, healthy, and as happy as you can. Thank you for being a part of this community. Knowing people are out there listening and bonding over the Harry Potter series is always a light in the darkness when I'm not feeling my best. I hope you join me next time for another conversation in the headmaster's office. Take care.